This talk is offered by Ordinary Minds Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Andrew is an Australian Dharma heir of Barry Majid and is dedicated to extending Barry's vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. Today we are celebrating the uh, Bodhi Day, Bodhi Day, or the Day of Buddha's Enlightenment, which is celebrated in Japan on the 8th of December. Traditionally, also, this is the last day of what's uh, called in Japan Rohatsu sessions. So all over the world, there'll be Zen Buddhists participating in longer retreats like the seven days. Um, and this is traditionally also on the on the last day of the Rohatsu sessions, the, um, the monks would sit up all night um, seeking to emulate the Buddha's enlightenment when seeing the morning star. So, um, during these talks, um, I've been exploring the question of what is enlightenment, and I did that on the Tasmanian retreat. And uh, I've also been encouraging everybody to ask yourself the same question. Um, after all, the, uh, the carrot of enlightenment um, was often what brought us to practice in the first place. and can often be the reason why people leave practice disappointed that enlightenment uh, um, is something that, uh, in whatever form we may imagine it to be, um, hasn't arrived. Um, I think it's also important that we get some some understanding of what our teachers, Joko and Barry, teach about enlightenment and uh, to find out if their version of enlightenment is something which appeals to you. And this is also the journey that I continue to travel. So I'll begin this talk with a working definition of enlightenment not as an event, but as a process of development. Moving from our experience of life, being organized around a self-centered or self-protective configuration, towards an experience of life that is more open and vulnerable, caring and compassionate. This is followed by the identification and exposition of two primary lines of development that we progress through on this path. The first line of development, which you'll all be familiar with, is to know yourself or know thyself and be true to yourself and others. This line is very much in sync with psychotherapy and leads to a sense of self-understanding, hopefully, and non-judgmental acceptance. The second line of development is what I call returning home, the recognition that life as it is, is complete just as it is. This includes the recognition that although we exist as beings in time, peace or joy, 
can only be experienced in being just this moment, which in a way always includes the past, present and future. Even more important than this is recognizing that we can find peace or joy in moments that are not always easy or comfortable. That is why Joko sometimes refers to Zazen practice as resting on the icy couch, simply experiencing whatever it is we're experiencing in this moment. And this is where these two lines of development are integrated and merge to create a capacity to be joyful throughout all the ups and downs of life. No matter how aware or compassionate we are, we're still going to experience the downs of life. We wouldn't be human otherwise. So the working definition of enlightenment, this story of the Buddha's enlightenment when seeing the morning star is very beautiful and does capture those extraordinary moments when we experience at oneness with the universe. However, for most of us, most of the time, our moments on and off the cushion are well ordinary. And we often feel that we are missing out on something. How come after all these years of practice, I am still not having a mind-blowing experience that is going to change my life once and for all? So I think one of the problems with this foundational story of enlightenment is that it sets us all up in a way for failure because it implies some kind of peak experience is necessary to wake up from the dream and to transform us completely. That is why I prefer a story about the buffalo from case 38 of Mumon's collection of coins called The Gateless Gate. I think the story is a more realistic narrative of enlightenment. So the story says very simply, it is like a buffalo that passes through a latticed window. Its head, horns, and four legs all pass through. Why can't its tail pass through as well? So a buffalo or an ox in Zen is symbolical of enlightenment. Mumon's commentary tells us to work with the tail single-heartedly until you can really grasp it as your own. And Mumon also says, this tiny tail, how extremely marvelous. My friend Joan Tollefson comments on this koan as follows. She says, I'm no expert at koans, but as I hear the koan, it points to how we can never completely clean things up, perfect ourselves, finish the job, resolve everything once and for all, or stay in an enlightened, peaceful, equanimous, joyful, loving, wise place all the time. We may seem to have stopped seeking for a time, and yet if we look closely and honestly, here we are still seeking. We seem to have transcended the ego, and then here we are getting angry or defensive. We feel free and at ease, and then suddenly we feel stuck. The period is pointing to being at peace with not being at peace, being okay with being stuck, 
finding the perfection in imperfection and in completion. It's all about living in this messy, unresolved, always falling apart reality that never holds still. However much we try to clean it all up, there's always something that doesn't quite make it through the window. So I think we all have this tale, including people like Eckhart Tolle. I'm sure he has a tale as well. Therefore, rather than thinking of enlightenment as a special experience or a number of special experiences, when I've come to understand it more as a developmental or maturational process, leading to the capacity to be at peace or non-separated from life as it is, and to fully appreciate the wonder of life as it is, without placing any expectations of specialness on life as it is. In the end, it always comes down to just this, whatever just this is. Enlightenment then is not an event or peak experience of some kind, although those experiences can be helpful but rather a gradual process of development where our experience of self gradually transforms from self-protection and adaptation in order to survive to compassion for self and others in an ever-expanding circle of inclusivity. The path of enlightenment is about a developmental process which never comes to an end. Over a lifetime of practice, there will always be a tale we haven't quite fully understood or experienced or owned, but we can, without doubt, witness how our capacity to be with life as it is has grown. As Joko says, the ability to stay with life as it is, which is all that is necessary, increases slowly, slowly, slowly. The practice is never ending. Finally, we may be able to experience the joy that Joko describes as when we can be absolutely just where we are, there is a surprising and easy joy. This is a very basic thing for all of us. When we understand practice as being okay with what is, that leads to joy. Joy doesn't mean the same thing as happiness. Because, as you know, happiness comes and goes. Know thyself. As this series of talks have progressed, I have become more conscious of the importance of deepening our connection to our lineage and passing on what I have learned from Joko and Barry. I guess that goes with a growing sense of my own mortality. Both Joko and Barry have been close companions on my journey throughout my life. Joko through her books only and Barry as a real relationship. I really want to be able to convey what I have received from Barry and Joko, and maybe add a few footnotes along the way. This includes continuing Barry's project of integrating Zen and psychotherapy into a conceptually unified practice, conducted within different contexts, the therapy room and the Zendom. Also, if you don't practice as a psychotherapist yourself, that doesn't matter. I would encourage you to read Barry's writings on psychotherapy as a commentary on the optimum development of a human being and the call towards psychological health and wholeness we all follow 
and the centrality of relationships to a sense of health and wholeness. When you read Barry or when you listen to me speaking of psychotherapy, think of your own journey of personal growth and maturation. That's why I would encourage all of you to participate in a weekly Friday morning reading group next year, promotion, which will follow how Barry builds on Joko's contribution to developing a psychologically minded Zen practice and how Barry integrates his in-depth appreciation of what's called relational self-psychology into Zen practice. Psychotherapy, especially relational self-psychology, places faith in our natural developmental unfolding as human beings and simply seeks to understand what prevents us from actualizing our potentials. Even our so-called disorders are adaptations to traumatizing environments we have made in order to survive and to give us the possibility of thriving in a better environment in the future. Our calling to wholeness leads us to seek out healthy relationships. Our relationships with our intimate partners or even a therapist acts as a catalyst to enable our natural growth towards wholeness and healing to unfold. I hope our Sangha relations can also contribute to enabling our growth. We are all on this journey towards psychological health and wholeness together. Over the past 30 years or so, mental health services have been shifting to a trauma-informed practice. And the evidence suggests that most of our psychological health problems and, and even some of our physical health problems can helpfully be understood through a trauma-informed understanding of interpersonal neurobiology. We all start in childhood with a self-centered and self-protective personality organization, which attempts to defend us from hurt and injury being inflicted upon us by unempathic or abusive relational contexts. This includes stories we tell ourselves and strategies we develop in order to protect ourselves from re-experiencing old wounds, the legacy of past emotional hurts. For many of us, this form of self-organization stays intact, even into our mature adult years. However, if we listen to that in our experience self-self can continue to grow and become more open and inclusive more loving and compassionate towards self and others. This is why the emphasis in our practice is know thyself. As Socrates said, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. And as Shakespeare writes in Hamlet, this above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man or woman or non-gendered person. We can understand enlightenment not as an event, but a process of gradually getting to know ourselves that develops the capacity to be okay with the ups and downs of life. This includes developing the capacity to recognize our own needs and respond to the needs of others non-judgmentally with kindness and respect. This leads to a, a shift from the self-centered orientation to life, to a life that leads to one of service while at the same time ensuring we don't engage in spiritual bypassing by engaging in the process of owning or befriending all that we have previously disowned about ourselves. The know thyself aspect of our practice is the never ending inquiry into our experience of self and others in the context of our relational life at home and at work.
Self is the name we give to the way in which our experience is organized around our own subjectively defined needs for attention, value, meaning, ambitions, ideals, self-esteem and emotional attachment. This self is a relational configuration from the get-go. There is no isolated mind. We are beings in the world with others from the get-go and our subjective experience of our significant others comes to shape how we relate to ourselves and others. This self is therefore empty of any fixed and enduring essence. Getting to know, to know oneself is closely related to psychotherapy. This includes getting to know emotional states that we would rather keep in exile. Some Zen teachers following traditional training methods are case studies of how spiritual practices can be used to bypass these complex patterns and emotional states, leading to the acting out of abusive behaviours and secret addictions. Getting to know ourselves includes, of course, what Joko called our core beliefs and strategies that we developed as adaptations to our developmental traumas. Core beliefs include the patterns we created in order to adapt to our emotional environment that we grew up in. Because there are adaptations to the experience of trauma, the core belief is framed as a negative identity of the form, I am inadequate, unworthy, unlovable, etc., etc. Joker says to know ourselves requires returning to and uncovering beliefs and decisions we made when we first formed our identity many years ago. She continues, depending on the exact circumstances you went through as a child, your belief will have its own tenor. No two are precisely alike, but there are always some form of there is something wrong with me. These patterns also include our expectations or requirements of others. And they are templates of self-other relations, sometimes referred to as organizing principles or dominant narratives. Original okayness, the second line of development, is enabled by our practice of just sitting, what we've been doing this morning, on a regular daily basis, thereby grounding ourselves in our original nature of basic okayness, sometimes referred to as the doctrine of original enlightenment in Soto Zen. It is also related to the idea of arousing the body cheat and mind, the fact that our true nature is always calling us home. In this way, our basic sense of not being at ease with ourselves and others can become our guide. This Zen doctrine also dovetails nicely with the assumption that we all strive for psychological health and wholeness. Soto Zen is premised on the understanding of original enlightenment. The 13th century founder of Soto Zen Ehe Dogen tells us that Zazen is not a technique of meditation. Rather, it is the Dharma gate of ease and joy. The Soto practice of just sitting is the complete expression of our enlightened nature. As Barry says, it is a radical assertion that we don't need to change, fix or improve ourselves. This original sense of okayness dovetails into our know thyself practice whereby creating the possibility of integrating Zen and psychotherapy. Both Zen practice and psychotherapy in different ways shape a new way of organizing our experience. The relationship with the therapist and hopefully with the teacher and Sangha 
builds safety and trust and the teaching of fundamental okayness builds a sense of radical acceptance and capacity to be with the ups and downs of life. In our Zen practice, we integrate Dogen's just sitting with an ongoing inquiry into the patterns that shape our moment-to-moment experience in the context of our relational life. To quote Barry from his first book, Exploring the Common Ground of Zen and Psychotherapy, to leave ourselves alone, whether in free association or in just sitting, turns out to be something we all find painfully difficult to do. Both Zen and psychoanalysis, I believe, share a foundational belief in the value of staying with moment-to-moment awareness, including an awareness of our attempts to control, deny, disavow, repress, or dissociate painful aspects of that experience. Each practice offers its own form of container in which to stay, in which to safely stay with what we would otherwise reflexively avoid. So in conclusion, enlightenment is the path, not the destination. In Zen, we travel this path together, giving value to the centrality of community and relationships, taking responsibility to make amends for past mistakes and lay the groundwork for future health and well-being. The path of getting to know ourselves is never ending because we ourselves are constantly changing. There will always be a tail hidden somewhere in the shadows. However, if we practice just sitting on a regular daily basis, slowly, 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 it will penetrate ourselves and our whole being from the bottom up with the fundamental realization that everything is okay and has always been okay. Till we can conclude, as Joker says, that enlightenment is the ending in yourself of that hope for something other than life being as it is. So I'll leave the talk there. And I'll stop the recording. Just wondering, Andrew, if you could, there was a lot there and it ended with quite a punch. I'm just wondering if you could just repeat the last phrase, um, paragraph or sentence, whatever it was, that you just closed with. Okay. Um, Let me um, sort of integrate it a little bit. Yeah. And I'll, I'll send out a copy of the talk um, as well uh, later on. Um, so the last quote really was from Joko. Um, that one, you mean the, the last sentence kind of thing, David? Sentence or paragraph, I don't know where the paragraph Oh, the paragraph, is. okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, read, I'll read the paragraph again. Um, so in, in conclusion, enlightenment is the path, not the destination. In the Zen, we travel this path together giving value to the centrality of community and relationships, taking responsibility to make amends for past mistakes and lay the groundwork for future health and well-being. The path of getting to know ourselves is never ending because we ourselves are always changing. 
there will always be a tail hidden somewhere in the shadows. However, if you practice just sitting on a regular basis, slowly, 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 it will penetrate ourselves and our whole being from the bottom up with the fundamental realization that everything is okay and has always been okay. So we can conclude, as Joko says, that enlightenment is the, is the ending in yourself of that hope for something other than life being as it is.